Welcome to another edition of the Internet Advisor Roundtable. My name is Foster Brown, and I am normally your radio host on the program when we're on the air WJR on Saturdays between 5 and 7 or thereabouts. But on days like today, when we've been preempted by the basketball game or by seasonal programming, as will happen soon, we get together a group of the folks who normally are on the phones or in the studios with us to spend some time together on Sunday nights talking about some of the topics that have been the hot-button issues in tech all during the week. And let me uh, go around the horn and introduce to you, as I normally do, normally to my left and your right, <laughs> Gary Baker, the Internet Advisor. Gary, good having you with us. Hey, I'm happy to be here, as always. Thanks. And then we've got Mr. Ed Rudell. Eddie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Foster. Thank you. I heard that you wrapped up, what, the second or third of, I don't know how many different... Uh, uh christmas parties you've been having right yeah you know it seems the grandparents want to go to florida earlier and earlier each year <laughs> oh i see it, it when keeps they get snowing of- earlier and earlier yeah, each year it true. seems like that's the reason yeah. and as they're heading out of town they want to make sure they get all the, the the celebrations in well we're staying here and then we have mr cal carson cal how are you doing this evening Doing just exceptionally well today, having a great day and uh looking forward to the holiday season because uh, i like to eat <laughs> I like that. I like that. And Cal, you just come, you've just come back from the Mac Group meeting, which we'll ask you to talk about a little later on. And somebody who's joining us for the first time on our roundtable here, but has been a regular part of our program for a long time now, both as our producer and the man behind the Mac Minute is Eric Anderson. How are you doing, Eric? Good evening, Foster. It's great to be here. Glad to have you along for the ride. And uh, we've got lots of things Apple to talk about. Uh, as I look at the list of things that we've lined up ahead of time. So let's not talk about something Apple. But, uh, guys, let's talk about uh, the release this past week of the Google um, Chrome OS, their very own operating system, and a device that they released as well that went along with that. Uh, Eddie, I I know that you have been interested in these kind of tech items. Have you been following this very closely? And and what are your thoughts on the Google Chrome OS? No, I have not been following this specifically. It was an interesting item maybe six months ago. Uh, One thing I have followed, though, is a lot of these add-ons they keep on adding within the Google um, you know, oh, tools. And, and one of them was the, uh, the body browser. You know how I you have that. I heard uh, that there's, the, <laughs> I love that, that there's a body browser that's built into that. Before we get into that though, could we just for a minute, is there anybody out there who has looked up or, or read up on this Google Chrome OS that was announced this week? What I'm talking about is actually something that Google launched this week, uh, which was their OS, their operating system. And they um, actually have a device that they, um, they released this week for people to play with, which I think was called a C85. I'm digging through my notes right now. Uh, Kurt Hines couldn't be with us this evening, but uh, he had looked at a lot of this, and, and I was listening to um, Leo Laporte talking about this with some of his folks before. It was called the CR48. It's a smaller uh, netbook. Twelve point one inch. Yeah, but and, this is no different than a than a typical netbook, right? This could go. Their Chrome OS could go on any netbook. Yes, that I guess that's part of the point was it could go on any netbook. But the other thing is that uh, some of the discussion was that essentially this is. A huge browser, period, because everything is in the cloud, including your storage. So documents that you work on, anything that you do is saved in the cloud, and the applications you work are on in the cloud, and essentially what you've got in your hand there is 
uh, this very fast browser, not necessarily a full-fledged computer. So when I heard that, I wondered, who in the world would buy one of these things? Can anybody imagine who might want to pick one of these up, where it might work? Well, someone that's permanently connected to the Internet. I mean, uh, at home, in the car. I mean, you, you have these uh, MiFi devices. If you're permanently connected in, to, uh, to the Internet, you, all your resources could be cloud-based very easily. Most people just use computers for uh, gathering information, word processing, uh, reading email, publishing documents, printing, uh, and even printing is becoming quite scarce nowadays. So it's not that far of a stretch to basically just have everything based on a web-based, you know, an HTML5 platform like that. Yeah, and I think the, um, you know, the value of, uh, of partnering with a hardware vendor is they're figuring out how to sell the hardware, the Chrome OS, and two years of free data service for from Verizon. Right for what 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 to, what one um, megabyte? But it's only a hundred megabits yeah, I was per say, month. Yeah, hundred megabytes. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, after that, it's nine ninety nine uh, per month. Mm -hmm. um, for a fixed time amount, but it doesn't say, at least in what I've read, it doesn't say that they're going to let you go over 100, and if you do, what the cost might be. Yeah. yeah. So if you're doing everything in the cloud, if you're a heavy user, is 100 megabits per month um, enough? Yeah, well, that's, that's a huge question, I think. That's a very, very big question. Heg megabytes, rather. But you know, I, I hate to sound like an alarmist in that sort of thing, but why... I'm thinking about that, and it's like, why should I trust the cloud? You know, yeah. because what can you know? The cloud could disappear on you at any, any given time, and then all your data and everything would be gone. And I still think you have to have your own backups as well. Yeah, this is the king of backups talking. And, and by the way, I I shouldn't I don't say that disparagingly either, Cal. I know that that's your passion, uh, and I people do back up to the cloud. For instance, using Carbonite, right? And there was the other one, Mosey, and many I others, think. right? Yeah, that, you know. So it's it's, but that is usually in addition, Cal, to you know having your own hard copy uh, stored someplace. Um, yeah, but this is—they're talking like do all your business with the cloud, yeah. store all your data on the cloud, you know, connect to the cloud, do everything like that. And 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 it's a great concept, and I think it's a good idea, and it gives you a lot of agility and flexibility, but. I, I've seen internet places disappear, and I'm not saying you know, Google probably will be around for for a long time. Mm -hmm. But you know, I've seen internet places just disappear because they ran out of money. And hey, guess where your stuff is? Or they give you 24 hours to snatch your everything back, <laughs> and if you don't get it back in that time, you're just out of luck. Well, yeah, Kel, and while I agree with you for some, I, I don't think we're in danger of Google going away. <laughs> I do think though that there are times that it's just going to be hard, not because Google goes down. But because you happen to be in a place where the internet, your last mile to connect to your particular device, uh, might be might have trouble. I mean, we had trouble here with Comcast for over twelve hours uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. they're still talking about it. Is Comcast and it was their uh, DNS, the name, the name, name, the domain, domain name, name service, service. right? Um, and, you know, things can happen like that. So you get, you know, you'll have access again. But what if you absolutely need to get to yeah, something right. during the time that they're down? It's, you know, it's a risk that's probably worth taking if you're a light user and you're not going to go over the 100 megabytes per month. But if 
you are, you know, again, I think we're in the very first stages of really trusting the cloud for everything that we do. Eric, I, I was yeah. curious about your thoughts on this as, uh, you know, one of the younger generation of users. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I'm, I'm always curious when it comes to uh, new, new things that come out, and uh, so I'll be definitely curious to check it out uh, eventually. I, I, one of the things that strikes me is that this would be perfect, and Gary, I'm interested in your comment from, from an IT point of view, uh, that in, in an enterprise situation at a corporation, this would be the perfect thin client. In other words, the only thing that they can you can do with it is work with the companies eventually, you know, where the company sends you to work. Um, you you can't be doing things on it on your own, you know, like, um, what am I trying to say? That you, you can use a very narrowly focused group of applications that the corporation focuses you towards, and other than that, you can't use it again. And then the other thing that they said with this is that once you shut down your browser, everything that you were doing there is gone because, I mean, you know, your, your laptop, your Chrome laptop, it's gone because it's, it's not saved there. It's in the cloud someplace. So then you can move on to another, you know, uh, corporate tablet someplace else and pick right up again. Well, you know, one area that this makes sense would be like, say, call centers. Very, very limited uh, what they need to access. It could be all web-based, uh, opening up tickets, uh, accessing resource libraries, and and, and then... Uh, when you're done, you just close it down, and yep. you know you have none of that information with you. You you, you don't have any of those uh, any of the users' private information is um, you know protected mm -hmm. because it's not available. It's all cloud based. We're at the the point now where most companies store uh, information on a collaborative drive somewhere. Right, and you know if that happens to be in the company's data center. If it happens to be co-hosted, considered maybe a private cloud today, mm -hmm. or whether it's uh, in the Google cloud, right? As long as you right. feel comfortable that Google can protect um, you from a security standpoint, and there's reason to believe that they probably do a better job than most companies, you know, I think we're, again, on the edge of seeing more and more move to the cloud. The, the difference is for most companies... It's a shared environment. It's partially on your computer. You, right. you know, they buy Microsoft Office for every computer. You can still work even if you don't have access. I think we're getting to the point now where that licensing model doesn't work very well, and, and that's one of the reasons that a lot of companies are moving in this direction. Mm -hmm. We're already there right now for collaborative software. SharePoint is already in the cloud. Again, whether it's yeah. a private cloud or a public cloud, uh, you know, we're seeing lots of adoption in SharePoint. And, uh, you know, we, we saw that, uh, you know, Domino's from, uh, from IBM has been there for a long, long time with their collaborative environment and their shared environment. So I do think this is coming. It's just this is the initial wave. It's a, it's a partnership with Verizon. That's the key here is that they're yeah. giving you a data plan yeah. Yeah, up that to is 100 a, yes. megabits per, megabytes per month for two years. Yep. That's bundled with the hardware. That's yep. that's the real value here. Yep. Otherwise, you put on any netbook. Uh, Kurt Hines, by the way, says they're giving them away, and you can sign up for them. And I'll, I'll put the link to that. Who? <laughs> so I'm going to sign up. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll sign up for one of those. But Ed, you were talking about new applications that Google is coming out with, including one. What did you say that it says is? It's called the Body Browser. The body? 
and, and, and you know how Microsoft has Google Earth, right? And you right. can download it and you can navigate virtually through the Earth and browse areas and topology and stuff. Well, they've taken it and, and actually taken that same technology and condensed it down to the, a 3D map of the human body. And it's called the Body Browser. And we can put a link up to our website. I, uh, I sent you an email yes, I thought earlier yes. on that. And uh, I actually, it requires that you have the Google Chrome um, uh, beta version of the HTML5 uh, version of the uh, oh. Google Chrome. And then you just launch the experiment. I mean, they have, and they call it an experiment. But, and it's, it's, uh, it's quite fascinating to navigate through the body. And you can do, um, you know, skins, organs, tissues, uh, skeletal. And uh, it's it's fascinating. I spent about uh, forty five minutes navigating through it. So I think I'm like, going to spend the evening just sitting down looking at toenails, just to, you know, just to get, get comfortable. <laughs> but no, no, I thought it was interesting that how they um, it's a different perspective on using a technology like Google Earth and applying it um, to the human body. I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, it is. Now, and, and as you what you're talking about is like the generic human body, right? It was a generic human body. Right. It That's isn't like correct. our individual human bodies. But, um, yeah, again, Ed did send that link, and I will put that up in our, our show notes. Along with the link, by the way, from Kurt Hines, it says that um, Chrome OS, uh, Google, is giving away the CR48 Chrome notebook as part of a pilot program to iron out the kinks. And anybody can apply, and then we'll give you the, uh, <laughs> we'll give you the URL so nobody can race there and apply. Yeah, it's not, then, it's not at all clear whether they're giving away. What it says is oh. the company will send you a test notebook for free. Ah. So it sounds like it's giving away, but um, you it have to fill be... out a questionnaire. Yeah. The actual netbooks from Acer, Samsung, and other places won't be available until mid-next year. Oh, gotcha. um, right. So this is just a beta version. You have to fill out a, a questionnaire. They'll decide if they're going to give it to you or not. It's a consumer pilot program. Uh, I'll let all this uh, ball out to you guys. Uh, do you see who has been uh, called the Time uh, Magazine Man or Person of the Year? Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. I, said, Wait, I think it's fitting that the youngest member of our crew here is the one who mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, with our time off, I've had a little bit of time to catch up on the news headlines. <laughs> uh, well, and you are, uh, now let's see, uh, how old are you? 25. 25, well. And it's kind of an interesting piece of uh, trivia along this line is that Mark Zuckerberg is the second youngest person who was the time man or person of the year. The youngest was, and I'll, let's see if any of you read and did your homework on this. Who was the youngest person? Carl Lindbergh. Carl Lindbergh, that's right. And he was the very first time man of the year. And at that time, Cal, how old was he? 25. I was 25 years old at that time. It was 1927. Kind of fascinating. Wow. And another person who is, and this is a little trivia for any of you who may get caught on Jeopardy and need to have this information. Um, it was uh, Queen Elizabeth II in 1952 was honored as the person of the year. And she was 26 at that time. So she was Zuckerberg's age. I'm just curious, what do you folks think about this business of naming Zuckerberg as the person of the year. Is that, um, you know, making a lot out of something that is a social, you know, like a flash in a pan that will pass? Or do you really think that he deserves this kind of recognition? 
Well, you know, I'll say this. It, Facebook is a huge thing, no matter who you are. I mean, I, I, I forget how many users they have, but they have millions and millions. I mean, it's it's it, it, it's it's something that I use every day, and I know a lot of my friends use it every day. So it's 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 how we stay in contact, especially those that have like some of my friends who have graduated college. They've moved out of the state, um, or you know, up north where I don't see them. It's it's the it's a way for us to communicate and stay in touch and know what people are doing. So it's it's a huge thing that he's created, no doubt about it. Yeah, but you know, three years ago or four years ago, everybody used MySpace, and how much MySpace do you really hear about anymore? This this, this seems to be, to, for me anyway, Facebook seems to have taken kind of like the best things about social media and put it all into one place. Because if you remember, even going back even farther, we had Friendster before we had MySpace. Mm-hmm. And Friendster were... You know, some people used it, some people didn't, but then everybody started to get onto MySpace and Facebook. It, it seems like it was the it's the next step in social media. That, but it also took the best things that those other previous sites did and kind of tweaked them and made it better. Where this is more of a mainstream, you know, product. And it, I will agree. I will agree with you, Eric, that it is a more robust tool and it has a lot more uses and stuff like that. But I don't know. It always feel, it feels like a fad, and I think the reason why it feels like a fad to me is because there's two or three years difference between us in age, and, <laughs> and you just see them come, you see them go. Absolutely, and, and who knows? I mean, that's the other thing, though, is you see a lot of sites popping up that are trying to mimic what Facebook does, but there hasn't been anything yet that's become the next logical step. And I'm curious to see what that will be because I don't know where we go from here. But if then again, if I did, I'd, I'd probably be making a lot of money and not sitting here talking to you guys. No, you know Thanks a lot, Aaron. <laughs> you know, let's bear in mind that uh, the time did name him the person of the year, not the person of the two years or three years yeah, or the yeah, next four true. years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, and the iPhone got that mentioned. And then, as a matter of fact, all of us was it one year that you <laughs> were the right. time person of the year? That's really being incisive. Well, uh, we should point out. We should point out too that the whole idea of Facebook, if I understand correctly, allegedly was not Mark Zuckerberg's idea. It was a collaborative effort of people that he was working with. I believe in college at some point, yeah. and he took it. He took that idea and took it to the next level. And I believe those people, uh, if if they haven't, they they were in the process of uh, of suing him at one point over the idea. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, see the in movies, the mo- so you know, the movies obviously Hollywood. I don't know how much it, it was accurate, but you know they, you know that was pretty clear in the movie that uh, they painted him to not to be a good guy. But nobody said that as person Times Person of the Year, you have to be a good guy. Just that you have to have well, a lot of effect Adolf, over the last year. Adolf Hitler at one point was the, was the time man, a person of the year. And as yes, you're right, it doesn't have to be that you're the, the you know, you're not Mother Teresa, who also I think it was person of the year at one point. One famous uh, a public speaker said, you could be on time one week and doing time the next week, and it's happened <laughs> twice. Yeah. Yeah, ain't that the truth. And I'm, I'm curious about uh, your thoughts on that. It's probably a way of getting in touch with a, a younger generation and, and how they've embraced it and used it in their everyday lives. It, it's more of a celebration of that than... It's, it's more than, to sell Time magazines, right, Ed? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, probably they know Time's readership is getting older and they want to get the younger crowd. So, hey, let's pull the, the hero from the younger crowd in and show them that you know Time magazine, even though it's still uh, pulp-based uh, information... We're still young enough and hip enough to be part of the game. Yeah, but Gary, one of the things, Gary, are you on Plaxo? I am, You're somewhat. Pardon me? 
Somewhat. Somewhat, yeah. Plaxo was one of those early, um, I'll call them the adult <laughs> uh, social networks, because they were really more focused more at business, like LinkedIn. Am I right, Gary? Uh, I think they tried. It was a little bit, of, you know, yeah. I don't think it does just, it, you know, it's certainly not LinkedIn, right? No, 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 no. I mean, what, what, what my point was, I think they started in that, in that kind of vein. Now, my Plaxo account suddenly said, how would you like to link your Facebook friends to this? And that's something that I'm seeing happen more and more in a lot of different places, whether it's Twitter or someplace else, that you're now getting this offer of, hey, how would you like to have your Facebook friends all automatically plugged into and then fill in the blank? And I don't, and I see that being a, a problem in the sense that Facebook, even though they're trying to use it as a business tool as well, Facebook, at least for me, is social media. And, you know, I, I think my business and how many times someone's going to be going down to the Walmart to buy uh, a couple of copies of uh, Soldier of Fortune just doesn't seem to mix across those lines. Gary, let's move over to an area that you, I think, you when you uh, sent this on earlier in the week, you must be you must have been just itching to get under a cow's skin. But it was a, a, a title. the The title of the article was "More Silly iPhone and iPad Rumors." I just think that every you know because it's such a phenomenon that uh, everybody has uh, has heard a rumor or two, and and you know this site that uh, that I just sent over was you know he has uh, you know no better crystal ball than anybody else, but. Um, but I happen to agree with a number of uh, his predictions, so uh, I thought it was worth talking well, which about. One, which ones do you think uh, are was he closest on? I think there's some obvious ones, right? I think that the iPad 2 will have uh, you know front and rear facing cameras, right, and he right. goes, he says, point. yeah, you know, let's let's uh, not worry about that one anymore. It's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. It's just whenever the iPad 2 comes out, that's more of a of a rumor, right, which is when is it going to come out? Is it going to be a smaller version of the iPad? Steve Jobs has said, you know, you know, no way. Why yeah. would you ever want? He thought, I think it's stupid and unusable was uh, the, yes. the term he used. Was it for the 7-inch? A smaller iPad version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody's talking about when the iPhone is going to ship, uh, the Verizon iPhone. Everybody wants uh, yeah. iPhone on the Verizon. They're unhappy with AT&T. Uh, and uh, little wonder why. <laughs> uh, but when is it going to happen? AT and T signed a five-year exclusive agreement. We're nowhere close to being up. You know, are they going to be able to break that? People are saying right after Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, right after the Consumer Electronics Show in early January, we're going to see it. Don't know. Don't think so. It's more traditional that they come out with the next iPhone. Which, by the way, this has to be a completely separate, different iPhone because it's on Verizon compatible. Um, you know, CDMA, that, so. right? It's not right. the Edge Networks anymore. It's CDMA, which is right. right. So it's you know it's probably going to be next uh, next July or the following July. Oh, you think it'll be that late? I, I'm curious. Uh, well, let's hear from the Mac guys on the panel here from uh, from Cal and and uh, Eric. What do you think? Well, you know, we we talk about this on the Mac Minute all the time about different rumors and things, and I I think. Me personally, I really hope that it, it, the Verizon phone would be out sooner rather than later, maybe you know January. But then again, we've been hearing about that phone for you know a couple of years now. Oh, it's going to be out you know this summer or next summer, and it, it's still not here. Well, by the five year agreement's up next July, right? Uh, I, yes, believe I believe so. so yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, maybe they get it out one year early, but they traditionally have been coming out with the next 
you know, latest and greatest iPhone uh, to be shipped in the June July time frame. Yeah, you wonder. I wonder what they what more they can do to the form factor they have right now. Uh, I, it seems to be they maxed that out. Cal, what are your thoughts? You just come back from a Mac Group meeting. I don't know if that's been part of the discussion going on there. It, it wasn't part of the discussion, but it, it just I just it amazes me, and and I wish I would have bought more Apple stock. Every time I hear Gary say the word. Uh, you know, the phone part really is not all that great, and I wish it was on another network. But yet, it's such a compelling device that you put up with that type of service regardless. It's a very good point, Cal. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I am not a fan of the AT&T service. Foster, I mean, you know, know. for example, know. how many times have we talked on the phone and just in the middle of the call, it just hangs up for the heck of it. But, it, but, but back in the old days, before phones became smartphones and have all these neat and groovy things that it can do. If you had a phone that acted like that, you'd get rid of that service in a heartbeat. What it, what it is is that you have a choice of getting your information passed along. You could either do it by voice or you could just text it to someone and because the text portion works so darn well, you say, okay, I'll tolerate the phone being kind of crappy. Well, it, I, I think that the, to me, the interesting thing will be when Verizon does come up with it, and I hope they do come up with a version of the iPhone, uh, that we can, uh, first of all, I hope it, it begins to relieve some of the pressure on the AT&T system and it can catch up, and those <laughs> of us right. who are left behind in our contracts can enjoy the uh, uh, less of a data clog than we have right now. Well, I bet, you, I bet you Verizon's really sad they didn't go ahead and take advantage of it when they got offered the first time, though. Uh, or are no, they? Because, you know, would it have overloaded the Verizon network just like I it's overloading so. the AT&T I network? Think, I, I so, think so. They, may have, they may have had some of the same problems that, Verizon, that AT&T has had, had they taken it on at first. But who knows? So, and, so. Eric, you know, I know we all want um, the Verizon phone. But if it came out this year, it would come out in a, in a 3G version. Don't you want the 4G version? Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing with the 4G, though, is with 4G, the, the service isn't widely available yet. So that's my other issue is I would want a phone that I could use. And, I mean, I know it would it would connect to the other networks, but um, I, I would if I'm going to have a 4G phone, I wouldn't be able to use it somewhere other than, you know, like I think AT&T is in – or Sprint is in uh, Grand Rapids right now. I think that's the only place they have 4G service. So yeah, well, but, what good, but what good is a 4G about- phone if I can't use it? Yeah, if you're talking about an Apple, it's not going to be on Sprint. Right. Well, right, but I'm so just saying. So, if you're talking example. about getting the new Verizon phone, that new Verizon phone in January or even this next July is going to be a 3G. Well, well, this even brings up the point that I will. I, I want to ask, and, and you can explain it to me because I'm not that bright. Who cares <laughs> if it's who, who cares if it's 4G or 3G? What does that have to do with your phone portion of your phone? That's for data, isn't it? Sure. Right. So it, whether you have 3G or 4G is not going to matter. All you want to do is move the problems from AT&T over to Verizon, and you'll still have the same gripe. To an extent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'll tell you, you what, then. I'll, t- I'll go ahead and get my Verizon uh, 3G, and then when the 4G comes out, you buy it then if you don't care, because I'd much rather have the 4G. <laughs> the problem is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be signing up for a two-year agreement. Yeah. Yeah. If it comes out in July, so I won't get a 4G for two years when everybody else will have it the following year. No, see, that, which goes back to the whole point that, that I started in this conversation. You don't really care that much about the phone in the first place. You want the data speed. I, I want both. 
Yeah, the phone I do. I is all both. secondary. I, I, Cal, I have to say, I want both. Uh, you know, I, I, obviously, I enjoy the applications. As a matter of fact, Ed's got another one coming up he's going to talk about that I am, I'm just tickled pink about because of some unique um, accidents of my birth. We'll get to that in a moment. But I love the applications on the thing, and they're very, very important. But I do want it to work like a, a phone properly and not to it, continually but, lose calls. But it appears that it isn't the phone that's the most important part of, uh, of the device for you. It really is the other side. One of my daughters um, never had the iPhone service. She had an Apple iPod Touch, and she gets all of her email on that, etc., through a Wi-Fi connection. So she has all the apps, and she enjoys them through Wi-Fi connection, and then has a standard phone, if you will, you know, not one of the smartphones that she uses just for phone calls. And she gets along marvelously with that. I, if I could, I'm not at a place right now where I can shift my uh, uh, my phone on my, it'll be coming up in April. I, I'm very seriously considering doing that. If I could get a decent phone that was a good phone, then I would begin to use my iPhone that I have currently, um, the 3G, as simply a Wi-Fi device and then use it wherever I had a good signal to get my email and all the other devices on it. Yeah, Cal, I, th I think you're, uh, you're slightly wrong in your analysis because Foster did stop using the 3G iPhone because of this, this problem uh, and went to a different phone, right, Foster? I would, yes, I would if I could. I, mean, I can yeah. with where I'm at with my contract right now. And uh, I'm waiting for, I do believe that they're going to fix it with the next version, and oh, if they okay. don't, I'm out of here. Uh, I, I, right? I hear you but I that. do believe they will fix it. All right. By the way, folks, you're listening to the Internet Advisor Tech Roundtable. Uh, Gary Baker, Ed Rudell, Cal Carson, Eric Anderson, and Foster Brown. And Eddie, I want you to get to a very special app that you told me about this week that is, is going to be unique Christmas present for me. It's a new one from the iPhone. Oh, you know, I thought that was fascinating that someone developed a an application that so now they're touting this that they can actually retrain a person using this application to overcome color blindness. It's actually you, you it's a physical the physical deficiency and the, I'm colorblind, red green, and there's a physical deficiency of red of the cones and rods in the back of my eye that so they don't receive those frequencies of light that you folks who see reds and greens for instance do. But mm -hmm. this guy has developed something and if, if I, if the site is legit, as I looked at it, I was able to see the numbers inside of an Ishihara colorblindness test for the first time in my life. I could see that number 45 on that right-hand side. Um, when I take the Ishihara test, folks, that's the one with the different colored little dots in it and the mm -hmm. symbols. And for those of you who aren't colorblind, you all already see a number there. I don't see anything. I just see different colored dots. But apparently this guy, Dan Kaminsky, or Kamansky, has developed this iPhone app that actually lets you see those colors. I can, as a colorblind person, actually see those colors. I don't know how he does it, but I'm dying to get hold of the app. And I, I tried a couple of times, and I can't get to it. But Ed, apparently, he has developed a way of letting us see these colors in reality. Now, I, I'm, I'm wondering, is it's, is it, what it does is it modifies the, the color hues of your interface, whether it's an iPad or the computer yeah. Yeah. or whatever, or the iPhone, so to match your deficiencies in color got, I've, I've got to believe that's what it does, and I don't understand yes. the technology behind it, but I will try to report to you guys uh, shortly on uh, how effective it is, because if, if it's anything like it was on their website, um, uh, it's astounding to me. I, I'll be delighted 
to be able to look at things and see the colors that you folks see if he's been able to do this, you know, pull this off properly. Cal, I wanted to ask you how things went at the uh, Mac Group meeting that was held this afternoon. It was a really great meeting. Uh, yeah, what else would I say? Yeah. But, uh, it, was a, it was a really great meeting. Uh, we, uh, uh, we had uh, two folks from the group, uh, Sheeta Hunter and Phyllis, uh, who did, um, they split up iLife 11, and they went through and they uh, demonstrated all the new features in it, which was really great to see. One of the things I really uh, liked about uh, the enhanced version of iLife is in iPhoto, they now have face recognition built into the program. So when you start it up for the first time and it reads in your, uh, your, your, your library for all your photos, it goes through and actually runs a face recognition program so you can catalog uh, pictures. And it's not 100% uh, perfect, but it's pretty darn good. So if I turn on my program and, and, I, and, I, and I've keyed it up, uh, encoded it so I want to find all the pictures in my library of Foster, it'll find every occurrence of Foster in my entire library, and I can bring them all out. Didn't I hear that Facebook was doing the same thing? But this is, uh, this is the new, one of the new features in the iLife. Yeah, that is correct. And then, uh, of course, GarageBand has been enhanced. Uh, it's 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 a, it's a much nicer, much easier uh, user interface. And in addition to it, within the interface, they give you uh, some free lessons on how to be able to play a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, there's a free one in there for, that has Sting, and he'll come out with his guitar and show you how to play the song Roxanne. Oh, I love and, that. Uh, and it's really cool. He has a video. It shows you... Uh, uh, with him putting his fingers on all the correct frets and how to move them around, the whole shooting match. And then, of course, you can go to the App Store and download and buy additional uh, lessons for different types of instruments to be able to learn how to use them. Uh, for example, if you want to learn how to play the piano, you can buy a USB uh, keyboard that you can plug into your machine, and then you start up the online program, and then it will teach you how to play that piano. Oh, that is fascinating. Absolutely cool. fascinating. What does the package cost? Uh, iLife is only 49 bucks, uh, and I, you get iPhoto, iDVD, iMovie, uh, GarageBand, one other item, but which I can't remember. Okay. And uh, it's $49 for a, a single license and $79 for a family pack. Gary, I know you sent me, this was, as a matter of fact, we were hoping we could use this when... Uh, we had Dave Sawyer on from Microsoft uh, last week when he was on, but they're showing us all those different devices. Um, but you sent me an article about Microsoft giving away some free products for IT and home users. Uh, do you still have that information handy? You can talk about that a little bit. Sure. The, you know, Microsoft has always given away product. Uh, this was just an article where they talk about their Office web apps. You know, we talked earlier in, in this segment um, about uh, Google and uh you know, by almost every review, Google apps are still superior, but Microsoft is giving free online version of their Word, PowerPoint, Excel, yeah, yeah. OneNote. Those are all launched uh, this year, uh, and they're free uh, for personal use. So they're all cloud-based. I tried working with it and was a little clumsy, but I noticed that I just got, as a Hotmail subscriber from way back when, I just got noticed that they were upgrading some things, and I, I really have to revisit it to see how well the apps work, because when I tried to work with them before, it was a little clumsy. I mean, it was a little hard. The, the, the interface looked like it does pretty much on my Office application on my computer uh, at home here, but it was a, a little, some things about it were a little more difficult to work with. 
Sure. And, you know, those are very large, extensive apps that uh, Microsoft uh, is trying to replace online in the cloud. And uh, it's going to take them a little while. Remember uh, that uh, when we first started using uh, Microsoft Internet Explorer, uh, that was version 3, right? right? They took a few times to get it done well enough to really start using it. And uh, I think, uh, uh, that, that, well, this version, and the, the good thing about when we do, now are using apps in the cloud, we're not going to be talking about versions anymore, right? Google takes and upgrades their um, applications, and all different ones, uh, but they upgrade them every two weeks. And that's going to be the, the way that, People will be updating their, uh, you know, developers uh, and software providers will be updating all of their software as a service that are sitting in the cloud. There's no reason to worry about downloading an update, installing it on your computer, billions of computers out there. They just do it, you know, once on their uh, their servers and then propagate through their cloud and uh, and we will all have access to it. I call it perpetual beta testing. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I think you're absolutely right, Cal. Absolutely. That's right. Eric, we've enjoyed having you with us this week. Did you have any other tidbits to share with us before we wrap things up here? Well, first of all, thanks again for having me. This has been fun. Um, just uh, two quick things. First of all, uh, the Mac App Store is going to be launching on January 6th. Now, this is a separate app store that will be for Macintosh. So if if you go... like. Right now, they have an app store for your iPhone, for your iPad. Now they're going to be doing a similar store for the Apple computer. So if if uh, their their thought is that you will go to this store through iTunes and purchase applications for your MacBook, for uh-huh. your you know your iMac, whatever. Uh, so that'll be launching on uh, January sixth, and there will be both free and uh, paid applications that'll be available in that store. And uh, Speaking of iTunes, the other thing of note, too, and I don't know when this began, but I believe it was sometime this week, iTunes is now offering uh, uh, previews of tracks when before you buy them. And instead of, in the past, they were 30 seconds in duration. Now they're a minute and 30 seconds. Hey, Cal, before we uh, send off, I, I understand that you had something, um, uh, a word for us about a piece of malware that you've run into recently out there. Yeah, I've seen this pop up more times lately, and it's been good. Uh, matter of fact, I've, I had to clean this up about 10 times, not 10 times, I've had to clean it up about three or four times in the past uh, uh, 10 or 15 days. But there's a new chunk of software out there that says it's going to help your computer clean up, but it's not, and they're trying to get your credit card information. And when it pops up on the screen, it'll say Think Point, that you're, it'll overtake your entire computer, and it'll only uh, give you two choices, two buttons. One that says, uh, special startup and safe startup, but either one of them will not allow you to be able to run your computer. And the only way you can fix it is to click on a button and supposedly give them a credit card number and then they will send you a fix. Don't Uh, do it. No, obviously don't do it. So how do you handle it? You just back out of it and then go into safe mode and try to uninstall or run like a malware bytes? Yeah, well, it's even difficult to get into safe mode. Sometimes you have to actually boot it up uh, using like a uh, ultimate boot CD oh, and yeah. then uh, running running malware bytes from that. Uh, but there's a nice write up on bleepingcomputer.com, okay. and there's a a, 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 a a application out there where you use a combination of malware bytes 
and Combo Fix. Yeah, Kurt Hines mentioned that last time we were on the air, as a matter of fact, with you. You and I were on with him before. And yep. uh, I've since downloaded that. I haven't used that yet, though. You use those two together, and they will definitely wipe out uh, that problem that you'll have on there. But it, it's, it, if it comes up and it says ThinkPoint Software, and it's got a, a logo on it that looks very much like Microsoft Windows, uh, uh, get rid of that as soon, okay. as, you can. as, soon as you can. Well, and, and the other thing with that is that, because uh, I've ran across that last week, and matter of fact, my wife just returned that person's computer. Is that you? You don't even get the Windows interface anymore when no. you reboot your computer. The only thing you get is that uh, is that Think Point Plus, wow. and and uh, no graphical interface at all. No, the Explorer doesn't come up, nor can you manually start wow. it. Like uh, like um, Cal said, you have to. Um, I use the Ultimate Boot CD, or the Windows Seven boot CD will work as well. Oh, it will. Because Microsoft created a uh, Windows 7 boot CD that lets you go in and diagnose problems and navigate to your hard drive. And and, and I just searched the hard drive for that think point and, and it found it in um, in the temporary internet files uh-huh. and uh, deleted it, then ran malware bytes and it got rid of it. So Okay, but what you did then, and say that again because I think it's important, you went in and you navigated using the Windows 7 we're using uh, the Windows 7 um, CD that you can create, a bootable okay. CD that Microsoft allows you to create. And Another good um, reason to do that, by the way, folks, as soon as you get Windows 7, is to create that bootable CD. And search for, I just searched for the keyword, that uh, ThinkPoint. ThinkPoint, okay, that's a very good one. And as you said, uh, uh, Cal and Ed as well, you can use the um, Ultimate Boot Disk, which is something that, by the way, if you folks want to go back to our homepage of internetadvisor.net, you'll find under Ed's advice column there, he's got some directions on how to create one of those for you. Guys, before we wrap things up, I want to give you a little bit of homework for next week and then wrap up with one final story. Um, The homework for next week is what I'd like you guys to do is to take a look at the past year, and I'd like you to come up with between three and five things that you think were the most important technology-based things that happened. Uh, this past year, and that will have an impact as we go forward. And uh, so let's take a look back this uh, next weekend at uh, the year 2010, and then our program is going to be uh, preempted for holiday programming on New Year's Day, so our New Year's Eve, pardon me, no, New Year's Day, uh, which is the next Saturday after that. And so the next Sunday, um, what I'd like you to do, let's take a look then and make that our predictions program, all right? We got our homework straight now, guys? <laughs> yep. No, nobody said, nobody, Eric was the only person that said yes to that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be sure to do the homework and get you guys the answers the week before so you can copy yeah, them yeah. down. No problem. Okay. Thanks. Well, the, the old timers know enough to be quiet. Then, then, then. Just don't let Foster know we're uh, copying off your paper. There you <laughs> yeah. go. All right. Hey, one final thing. Um, I just saw this the other day. I heard it on a program. I looked it up, and it's actually, uh, Gary, I got this off of MLive.com, which I think is out of Ann Arbor. Moving theater seats are going to be featured in Michigan and a number of key cities um, that are, these are the theaters that are run by Imagine. You may have seen that name, E-M-A-G-I-N-E. That's a a Detroit area-based company. Um, They're putting seats in that will actually respond to some of the scenes in the movie. Well, you know something, Foster. They do something like that down in Disney World. I was right just going to say the same oh, really? thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. shoot air at the back of your neck and uh, spray you, water at you. Yeah, if you go, uh, they had a display down there for Honey, I Shrunk uh, the the audience, oh. and there's a scene in there where there's a bunch of rats that run through the 
through the theater, uh -huh. and they actually blow like air, and they have these little uh, feathers that are rolling around on, on your ankles. Oh, and, it feel, and I tell you, everyone in the theater will lift their feet off the floor when that effect goes by. <laughs> well, it's coming to Michigan and a number of places, and I'll put that link up on the on the screen as well. I just thought that was kind of a kind of a cool thing in a way to end the uh, the end our program. Thank you so much, guys, for being here. Let me start from our junior uh, member who joined us for this uh, version, Eric Anderson. It was good having you on with us. Thank you very much. The MacMinute.net's where you can find me when we're not on the air. There you go. And have yourself a very Merry Christmas. Cal Carson, thank you so much for being with us this evening. Thank you very much. And, uh, of course, you can always check my blog at uh, macgroup.org slash blog. Every Friday we got something out there for you, and happy holidays. Excellent. Eddie Riddell, thank you so much. <laughs> and, Always great, Foster, and I'm going to retire for the next week. Uh, <laughs> I'll, be here, I'll be here next week. Okay, I'm good. just going to relax. Come on back. <laughs> we, I want to hear your, your, uh, your picks from the technology of the past year. And, Gary, Baker, as always, it's fun to have you with us here, uh, keeping our feet firmly planted on the ground. You know, Merry Christmas to, to each of you, and happy holidays to everyone out there that's uh, listening to us uh, in podcast. And we'll be back live uh, after the first of the year, but our podcast will be on for the next three weeks. Absolutely. And my name is Foster Brown. Thank you all for joining us. Very, very Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you. We will see you next week again with another version of this Internet Advisor Roundtable. In the meantime, please don't forget, you can go to our forums, if you've got questions, at internetadvisor.net, and keep your eye on that also for updates on the program and news and advice articles as well. Have a very good evening.